Stand with me. I want to ask that you would just uh, take a minute. We want to prepare our hearts to go before the Lord. And I'm going to read a text of Scripture out of Psalm 99. But before we do that, I want you to just pause for a minute. Because I know everybody in this room is coming from a whole slew of other challenges in your week. Some good, some bad. You've got things pressing upon you. But here's what I encourage you. That you can't do any of those things in the next hour and a half. Like you're, you're here. You're here. So I want to encourage you to be here. And our desire in the next few moments is to praise God. To lift our voices to him. To look to him. To fix our eyes upon him. And I want to encourage you to do that. And I want you to do something with me. It's going to seem silly, but you'll see where I'm going with it. I want you to close your head, eyes. And I, I, don't close your head. I don't know what that means. But I want you to open your mind, but close your eyes. And I want you to do this for me. I want you to put your hand on, on your, your chest and your heart. And I just want you to feel that. And, and this isn't some new age thing, I promise. Like, you're, you're, you'll see where I'm going with this. But I want you to just feel your heart beating in your chest. And I want you to just take a, a deep breath. And just, as you do that, and as we enter into this time of worship, your heart is beating because the sovereign God continues to make it beat. You are breathing because he is giving you the breath of life. Your heart beating, my heart beating, your breath, those are gifts from him. And I just think sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Our God does mighty things. And he gives us gifts every moment that we are alive. As we enter into this time of worship, I want to read Psalm 99. I want you to see it up on the screen. So go ahead and open up your eyes and look upon the screen. The Lord reigns, so let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Church, you hear that? Holy is he. Say that with me. Holy is he. Again, holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. That's where we are this morning. Holy is he. Say it with me. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered them. In the pillar of the cloud, he spoke to them. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord, our God, you answered them. You were forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Exalt the Lord, our God, and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord, our God, is holy. Do you believe that? Say it again with me. For the Lord, our God, is holy. The next few moments are not about us. The next few moments are about our holy God who sits upon the throne. The next few moments are an opportunity for us to lift our voices, to raise our hands, to not worry about anybody else in this room, but to fix our eyes upon him. And we're going to start with the song, Yes, I Will. Yes, I Will Praise. Yes, I Will Lift My Voices. I'm going to encourage you to do that this morning. Don't let the worries of what other people will think about you and how good of a pitch you're on or what any of those things like distract you from the holiness of our God. From the holiness of our God. So let's sing to him this morning.
continue to praise and worship God this morning together.
want you to go ahead and stay standing as we read out of our text this morning from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. And as you know, we've been in this text for a while as we think of preparing the way. And we've been talking about that and what that looks like and, and what it means for us. And this text was given to the people of Israel to be reminded that there was hope. There was hope. And so hear the word of the Lord out of Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And a voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall, be see, shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this morning. where We've already begun to be able to sing your praise and be mindful of who you are and all that you've done. And now we turn our attention to your word. And for the next few moments, we pray. Father, that you would open up our minds, that you would open up our eyes, open up our hearts, that we might see you, that we might gaze upon your beauty, that we might hear from your word, that we might be impacted by your spirit. Father, I, I, I pray that your spirit would be present with each of your people in this room, working on us and moving us and challenging us, convicting us, helping us to see you this morning. So we pray that you would lead us to truth, we pray, Father, that you would do this, that your, your word would not return void, but it would have its work done in us, cutting even as deep to the, as, as to the marrow of our bones. So, Lord, we pray that our eyes would see you this morning. We ask and pray all these things in your name. Amen. Church, go ahead and have a seat. Um, we're going to be doing a few things a little bit different. We're going to continue on in our worship here in just a few moments, and, and the band will take a seat down and then come back up here and, and lead us a little bit more. But... There's a reason why we want to do this different because we've been talking about this idea of preparing the way and what that looks like and, and what do we do and how do we do that. And we've talked about making sure that our homes and our lives are prepared for the holiness of God. Like are we, are we a place where the holiness, the, the glory of God could rest in our lives? Last week we talked about our own lives and how we can easily be blinded to the glory of who God is and, and, and be blinded because of our presuppositions and the way we think and be blinded because of idols that are in our life. But what's amazing is that God is doing all of the things that he is doing in history. He's giving us his word for this purpose to reveal his glory to us. Like that's what he's doing. And that's why it's important for us to be mindful of preparing that way because we want to see his glory. Amen. Like I hope that's true of you. I know that's true of me. Like I want to see the glory of God. And so today we move on, we continue on in that process. And I want us to go right back into Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6, and see what it is we need to look at this morning. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? Now, now think about this, because Isaiah 40, if you remember from last week, is talking about the Messiah to come and that there would be a messenger that would come before him. And we talked about how that's John. And John was the, the baptizer. So we get the term John the Baptist, right? And so this is, this is John asking the question, well, what, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to cry out to the people of Israel when I come to prepare the way for the Lord? And this is what God says to John or to that voice. This is what he says in his word. All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The voice, the message is that you and I are like grass. That, that, that no matter how amazing we are, we're going to fade. 
And no matter how high you reach in the world's view of what it means to be a success or to be beautiful or to be intelligent or bright and brilliant, this scripture reminds us, the Lord's voice reminds us, we are like grass. We wither and we fade. In a world that we live in, which is all about self-esteem, it's all about messages like, man, you can be whatever you want, you can do all that you want, be all that you can be, like just do it. Uh, all of these things, like, you're perfect, don't let anyone tell you otherwise, you're awesome, you're amazing. Commercials that tell us, like, don't be the next Tom Brady, be the next you, like, it's all about how awesome we are, right? Like, our entire world is trying to make us get to this place where we build these kind of statues and monuments to our awesomeness and how amazing we are. And we feel it. We, we feel this desire to be seen as this, just these amazing people, and yet we're here for how long? Let's just think about where you are in the scope of the history of this planet. You're here for how long? And God's voice comes to us in the midst of all of this. He comes to us in this moment, and he says, no, 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 no. You're like grass. You're, you're, like, you're, you're like a flower, and that's going to fade. And the point of this isn't to try to make us feel like we're not valuable. The scripture tells us all over the place that we are the delight of his eyes, that he wishes that none of us should perish, that he loves us. He sent his own son to die for us. So this isn't about that, but it is a reminder of who we are. And the point of this text is before we can see the glory of God, we need to begin to see who we are. Because if you've erected a monument to your awesomeness in front of your face, it's going to keep you from seeing the awesomeness of God. And the truth be told, our sin, first and foremost, has terribly deformed us. We are not who we were intended to be. We are people full of sin. We are full of brokenness. Nobody in this room comes into this place this morning being able to stand before the holiness of God in your own right. Now, if you're in Jesus and you have the righteousness of Jesus, you can stand before him blameless, but in our own? Uh, like, I've not been formed into the image of God. I'm not, I'm not formed into the likeness of Christ. More often than not, I'm deformed into the image of this world. I'm deformed into the, enemy, uh, uh, the image of, this, of the enemy of this age. We are full of sin. We are ripe with sin. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us should even be alive. And that's hard for us to hear. Again, in this world of self-esteem, like that's hard for us to hear. But it's the reminder that, 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 that God is trying to tell us through the prophet Isaiah. It's the reminder that he's telling us through John the Baptist before Jesus comes. It's like, listen, you're like grass. And it's easy for us to forget that, especially when we look across ourselves in comparison to everybody else. And we talked about that some last week. But this is all in light of him. It's in light of who he is. In comparison to him, we're nothing. Like if you grew up in Kansas, you've never been any else, anywhere else in the world, and before the age of the internet and, and TV and movies, if you grew up here, you might go to somewhere like the Flint Hills on a sunrise or a sunset and just be blown away by the immenseness of the Flint Hills. And they are beautiful. They are an amazing sight to see. But compared to the Himalayas, they're flat as can be. Aren't they? Like, like this, is, this is the difference that we're talking about here. This is the difference between us, like even lower than the Flint Hills, versus the Himalayas of God. Like in light of him, like we're, we're nothing. We're like, we're like ants. Everything is small compared to him. Listen, we know the past to an extent. We certainly know the present of what we're experiencing right now. But God, for God, the past is his now. The present is is his now. The future is his now. He's there. We don't get that. Like, just try to wrap your mind around that, that he is outside of time. He's present in all of those moments at all times, right in this moment. Like, we just, we can't even, we don't have words to explain how amazing, how awesome he is. Like, he's beyond that. We simply can see what's right in front of us, and we might be able to learn a little bit about the past, but he knows it all. Like we have the strength, man. We can build some amazing monuments. I've had the privilege of being able to stand at the foot of the pyramids. The pyramids have been there for thousands of years. They were there likely being built in the time of Abraham. 
And I've stood at the base of the pyramids. And that's an amazing feat. But compared to Mount Everest, like, like God can put a mountain and anchor its roots so deep, it will never move. And he does it out of nothing. We have to take materials and build, and no matter how good we build it, rust will come, rot will come, decay will come, it will be moved, but not as the case with the Lord. We can live for 100 years, he just lives. You and I have beginnings, he has no beginning. You and I will have an end, he has no end. He is is eternal existent. I am the first and the last. We see, but we only see what's in front of us. That's why you can trick a baby and play peekaboo and they think you've disappeared just by covering up their eyes, right? Like you're gone completely just if you cover up their eyes. We can only see what's right here in front of us. He sees everything. He is right now seeing our brothers and sisters in Bosnia. He is in right now seeing brothers and sisters in China, in Egypt, in every other part of the world. He sees it all. And not only does he see it in generalities, but he sees the very thoughts of your heart. He knows what's going to come out of your mouth before it ever leaves your mouth, before it's even birthed into your life. He sees everything. We seek justice. He is justice. We seek love. He is love. The point Isaiah is making isn't intended to make us feel bad. It's intended to help us see who we really are. When we do, when we are willing to bow, when we are willing to lay ourselves down and see and gaze upon his awesomeness instead of our own, we might see his glory. We might see his glory. It's amazing, Isaiah only spends three verses on us, and he repeats the same thing over and over again. Like grass, you're going to wither, you're going to fade. You're going to wither, you're going to fade. You're going to wither, you're going to fade. Three verses. The rest of the text is about God. The rest of Isaiah 40 is about God. It's fixing our eyes upon God. So we need to see ourselves, but most importantly, we need to look upon him because as much as we might know ourselves, we need to see him, not just hear about him. I want you to consider what happens when people see the power and the glory of God. Look what happens to Peter when he sees the power of Jesus. When Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When Ezekiel saw the glory of God, and all of its splendor, and he looked into the throne room. This is what he saw. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Isaiah, the one who's writing the text for us out of Isaiah chapter 40, says this in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. When he saw the glory of the Lord, when he did, he said, Woe is me, I am lost For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm undone. That's what he says. I'm undone. When Jacob saw the vision of the Lord, and upon his waking, listened to his response in Genesis chapter 28, then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid. And he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. God's glory can even turn something monotonous and bland and make us say, how awesome is this place? Wouldn't it be cool to be able to say that about this place this morning? Because we've seen the glory of God, we would say, how awesome is this place? Because his glory was here. John, the apostle, when he's taken up into heaven, he sees the glory of God This is what he says. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Would any of these men argue that they are not grass in the sight of the glory of God? Can you imagine John or Ezekiel or Isaiah saying, You know what? You're pretty awesome, but look at myself. Like, I see how great you are, but you know what? Let me tell you a little bit about me. Did any of these men look upon the wisdom of the glory of God and say, you know, I'm pretty smart too? Did any of these men look upon the eternity of God and the glory of God and say, oh man, like, I'm, I've been around for like 
43 years. I've been around for a while. No, no. Same thing happens every single time. They fall on their faces. They fall on their faces. Job, love the story of Job. Job suffers and he struggles. And at the end of Job, Job is questioning God and he's asking all kinds of questions. And God responds. And if you know the book of Job, all through uh, the, the 42nd chapter, 41st chapter, God just goes on this tirade of how he was there when he created the foundations of the earth and asked Job, were you there when the mountain goat gave birth? And he just goes on and on. And at the end of that text, look what Job says. I had heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees you. And therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. We oftentimes don't like to be around people who make us feel small. No one will make us feel as small as the glory of the Almighty. No one. And it's okay because there is no one like him. He is holy, set apart. He is fully unique. He's fully glorious. We're going to spend the rest of our time trying to fix our eyes upon the Almighty. We're going to take communion together. We're going to share in a couple of baptisms. We're going to sing songs. As we enter into this time, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to feel free to posture yourself however you need to to worship God. Raise your hands. Sing loudly. Bow down upon the ground. Come down to the front. Dance. I don't care. I'll call upon some of my charismatic brothers and sisters that are in this room. Like, feel free. Like, worship God. Worship the Lord. But I want to warn us, though. If you make the next few moments about you, you make the next few moments about worrying about what other people are going to think about you, or you think about having to posture yourself in pride or refuse to acknowledge your sin, or you get so busy in the next few moments judging other people's reactions to worship, you're not going to hurt anybody but yourself. Because the only person you're going to see in the next few moments is going to be you. And I get it. I get it. It makes us feel strange to do these things. But listen, we are heart, body, mind, soul. We're all And some of the most humbling thing you can do in worship is raise your hand. Some of the most humbling things you can do is bow down before the Lord. Some of you, for some of us, I'll conclude myself, some of the most humbling thing you can do is sing loudly. But this isn't about us. This is about fixing our eyes upon Him. I want to talk to you men for just a second. There is nothing your kids, your grandkids need to see more than godly, strong men raising their hands to Jesus in praise. Nothing. You want to disciple your kids? Let go of your pride and worship Christ. You want to let go? Uh, you, you want to disciple your kids? Be willing to bow down. Here's what I would encourage you. If in the next couple of moments as we sing, as we think, as we pray, as we read scripture together, like if you feel this desire to do something, but you feel the temptation in you to say, oh, I don't want to do that because there is no good answer. Any because is fixed upon you. We are to fix upon Christ. And that's what I want us to do in the next couple of moments. Father, As we planned this, as we thought about this, our whole desire was we wanted to gaze upon you this morning. We want to look upon you this morning. We want to be open to humbly recognizing who we are. That we might find our worth in the glory of our God. We might find our worth in the glory and the beauty of who you are. 
So Father, I pray that you would open our eyes. I pray that you would open our eyes to see you. And I pray, Father, that in the next few moments that you would, you would break chains that might be hindering us. I pray, Father, that you would let us confess and repent of sin that is in our way. I pray that you would help us to lay down our idols of our own awesomeness before your throne and say we are nothing in comparison to you. Lord, would you be present with us? I want to encourage you to keep your eyes closed. And as I read this text of scripture out of Isaiah 40, I want you to use your imagination to ponder the living God. And even as you feel your mind wandering to other things, I want you to bring it back and listen to these words and envision in your heart and your mind who God is, who he has told us he is. Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for burnt offering. All the nations, all the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Who created these? To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Hear the word of the Lord. See his glory. We're going to start with a song that is straight out of the book of Job. Talking about the glory of God. And as we do, I want to encourage you, you do whatever you feel led to do for the Lord. Stand, sing, bow, lift your voices. But I want to encourage you, whatever you do, do it for Him. Do it to Him. Lift your voice to Him, not the person next to you. Lift your hands to Him, not because people will look at you, Let's keep our eyes fixed upon him 
and gaze upon his glory.
Day and night, 
Go ahead, have a seat. We end with that song on purpose. Because it's a reminder for us that as we come before the throne of God, as we are wrecked, and we, like Isaiah, can come to a place where we see all of our brokenness and all of our sin, and we cry out, woe is me, I am undone, I am a man and woman of unclean lips. He doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. You can clap for the four of you who did, thank you. Like, right? Like, he doesn't leave us there. Here in a minute, we're going we're gonna to witness uh, Jada and Janae and Deb be baptized. And what we're celebrating in that moment is they, they came to a place where they were undone. They came to an end of themselves. They recognized their sin, and they, they, they said, like, it is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. Isaiah goes on in Isaiah 40. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. You might grow faint and weary, but he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding, it's unsearchable. And here comes our hope. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. Amen? This is the gospel. This is the gospel. But you, you can't stand in pride in front of the almighty throne of God and never come to an end of yourself and ever find his grace and his mercy and his power and his strength and his rest. You will only find your limited, pathetic strength. And you will wear yourself out in this world. You will wear yourself out in this world. That's why Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We come to him broken. He binds us. We come to him weak. He gives us strength. We come to him sinners. He makes us righteous. We come to him condemned. He gives us life. This is the gospel. We read these verses, and as we enter into a time of communion at this time, for those who are in Christ Jesus, I would encourage you this morning to confess your sin, confess your brokenness, confess your frailty, confess your tiredness, and come to his table with joy, knowing that he will be your strength. He will be your might. He will be your everything. Your everything. Your righteousness, all of it. And take the bread that represents his body and take the blood that represents his blood that he let be broken and his blood spilt for you and me. I encourage you this morning to do that. And so we're going to take a moment and I just want to give you a chance to reflect, to confess, to lay these things down before him and really come to the grace, the throne of grace. Come to an end of yourself so that you can stand in confidence, stand knowing that you are blameless, not because of your work, not because of your wisdom, not because of your strength. You are blameless because of the work of Jesus Christ and his blood covers you and the righteousness he's given to you. Amen? And you come to that table with joy and you come to that table with celebration and you come to that table with confidence because you can stand before the throne of God blameless. What a beautiful thing that is. But don't come to this table in your own goodness. Don't come to this table in your own righteousness. Don't come to this table if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. 
Don't come to this table if you are walking in hatred or judgment to a brother or sister. Don't come to this table if you know there's sin in you that you refuse to repent of. Don't come to this table with that. You deal with that first. You deal with that first. There's gonna be time for you to do that. And so here's how we're gonna go. They're gonna play some music. And as you feel ready, I wanna invite you to come to one of the tables around the room. There's some up front. There's some um, down here in the middle of the sanctuary. And you come and you take communion. I want to encourage you, families, do it together. Grab the communion cups and go over to a section somewhere else and, uh, and take communion together. And you worship the Lord together. This isn't time of worship. It's a time of joy. And I encourage you to do that. But I also encourage you that if you want to talk to somebody, you want to find rest. As everybody's coming to the table, you come down and let us talk to you. We would love to talk with you. So prayer counselors, elders, pastors, I want you to come and maybe just sit off to the side on one of these steps so that people know you're here. So go ahead and come on down so they can see you. And I'm going to open, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to enter into a time of silence. And when you feel ready, come to the table. And don't leave because we're going to then worship some more and we're going to worship through baptism and we're going to celebrate. And so so continue to be present. Go back to your seats, but let's go to the table, to the communion of the Lord. Father, we thank you that we can come to you and we can be wrecked and we can fall on our faces and we can see you and we can say, who am I? Woe is me. Only to feel your hand upon our shoulders the way John did. And for all of us who are in your son, we can hear your voice say, fear not. I'm the first and the last. Let's not take that for granted. Fear not. I have made you righteous. Fear not. I have paid the penalty for your sin. Fear not, I can be your strength. Fear not, I can be your provision. Fear not, I can be your satisfaction. Fear not, I can be your joy. Fear not, I can, I can give you rest. Father, thank you for that. We don't deserve it. We are unclean. We don't. And yet you've made us clean by the love and the blood of Jesus Christ, your son. And so, Lord, I pray this morning for all of the men and the women, no matter what their age is this morning, that if they are in you, that they would abide in that grace and they would abide in that love and they would abide in that mercy and they would worship you because of it. And they would come to this table with joy, knowing that they are saved. I pray for anybody in this room that does not know you, that they would come to find rest in you. Father, they would hear the call of your son that says, come to me, come to me. Because none of us can come to you without him. So Lord, I pray that you'd give them boldness to come and talk to our prayer counselors, our elders, our pastors. They might find you. Lord, that's what we want. And so, Lord, in your spirit, by your spirit, would you work in us in the next couple of moments? Would you open our eyes, open our ears? Lord, would you open our vocal cords even as we then will have the opportunity to sing our praises to you? Father, we pray and ask these things in your name.